Welcome to Broadway Radio's review recap episode for the first ever Broadway revival of Susan Laurie Parks' Pulitzer Prize winning play, Top Dog Underdog. My name is Matt Tamanini. In case you have forgotten how this works, if you are listening to this on Patreon, it is a standalone episode in your feed. And if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, October 21st, 2022. As you may or may not know or remember, Top Dog Underdog premiered at the Public Theater back in July of 2001 under the direction of George C. Wolfe and starred Don Cheadle and Jeffrey Wright. The show then moved to Broadway the next spring in April of 2002, where Cheadle was replaced by Most Deaf. For that run, Wright was nominated for a Best Actor Tony Award, and the show was nominated for Best Play. It won neither, but of course it went on to win the 2002 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. This 20th anniversary revival, which opened on Thursday night at the John Golden Theater, stars Corey Hawkins as Lincoln and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Booth and is directed by Kenny Leon. Along with the Schubert organization, there are five listed producers. One of them is LaShawn's. As far as I know, she doesn't have any connection to the show, but I just think it's cool that LaShawn's is producing the show. Anyway, this production is slated to run through January 15th. It is described as a darkly comic fable of brotherly love and family identity. It tells the story of two brothers, Lincoln and Booth, names given to them as a joke by their father. Haunted by the past and their obsession with the street con game Three Card Money, the brothers come to learn the true nature of their history. As of recording, Time Review Aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 15 reviews, with 14 of them being graded as positive and one being mixed. If you are keeping track on your abacus, that means none were negative. Let's start off the reviews with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. I will warn you, I am going to read quite a bit from this one because it is one of the best written, most enthusiastic reviews I've seen in The Grey Lady in quite some time, especially from Green. He opened his review writing, quote, Among the most thrilling and jarring gambits in modern theater, up there with the nattering women half buried in sand at the top of Beckett's happy days, is the scene that opens Susan Laurie Parks' top dog underdog with a bang. In a seedy rooming house apartment, as one man rehearses his three-card money spiel, Watch me close, watch me close now, Abraham Lincoln arrives with Chinese takeout. But watch Parks too. Her skittering silver fish of a play, a Pulitzer Prize winner in 2002, glints with meaning that refuses to stay put. He continues, quote, How wonderful to experience again in the hilarious, harrowing, and superbly acted Broadway revival, Parks' fearlessness. Rejecting fixed meanings, as well as the limitations and cliches of correctness, she generates themes that her play will not so much corral as set free. There's fraternal competition as old and awful as Jacob and Esau, race as fate but also performance, the endlessly sorrowful loop of American violence, and of course, sleight of hand. Before a minute goes by, Parks has her fingerprints all over your feelings. Green continues, Hawkins, a Tony nominee in 2017 for Six Degrees of Separation and a star of the recent In the Heights film, gives an astonishing verbal and physical performance, creating a character whose thoughts aren't posted on placards, but expressed in the spin he puts on his words and the way he weaves his fingers. Green goes on to talk about the double meaning of the show, which is exemplified in the two characters' names. He says, quote, the burden of that doubleness falls especially on Abdul-Mateen, whose character has a more surprising arc and must somehow make both ends of it meet. 
Though this is his Broadway debut, he's won an Emmy for HBO's Watchmen, he fully meets the challenge, banking sympathy with his sweetness, the better to clobber you when it flips into despair. In between, he and Hawkins diabolically mess with your eagerness to sympathize, getting you to endorse their characters' petty chicaneries and laugh at their string of improvements on Lincoln's assassination. Leon stages these scenes for all they're worth, setting them up like vaudeville turns and, with the help of Didi Ayate's punchline costumes, building them to quick comic climaxes. Moving on to Naveen Kumar, who wrote his review for Variety, he said, quote, It is a testament to the acuity of Susan Laurie Parks' imagination and powers of perception that Top Dog Underdog feels as vital and electric today as it did 20 years ago. The first Broadway revival crackles like a live wire, an American fable with its finger shoved in a socket. Throw in career-high performances from Corey Hawkins and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and it is a theatrical event in the most essential sense, in that it demands to be seen here and now. Broadway News' Brittany Samuels wrote, quote, Under the expert direction of Kenny Leon, the actors have made a delicious dance out of besting one another. Clawing intense audience laughter from Parks' dark script, Hawkins and Abdul-Mateen II are excellent students of rep and rev, a technique that Parks, also a musician, borrows from jazz. Greg Evans, writing for Deadline, said, quote, 20 years after it first arrived to shake up a complacent Broadway and make a Pulitzer Prize winner of its author Susan Laurie Parks, Top Dog Underdog has lost none of its vitality and power and cunning. We'll wrap up with Juan Michael Porter II, who wrote for Did They Like It, quote, Although Top Dog Underdog premiered off-Broadway in a pre-9-11 United States, under Kenny Leon's direction, this revival makes it look as if it were tailor-made for the era of betrayal and dissension we live in today. If you'd like to read more of these or other reviews, we will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review recaps in the show notes. So that is all that we have for you today. If you're listening to this on Patreon, have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful weekend. And if you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, October 21st, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, this is Friday, which means that last night the Broadway revival of Top Dog Underdog opened. We, of course, are recording before those reviews have been released. So if you are hearing this on Patreon, you know the drill. There is a standalone review recap episode in your feeds uh, either now or in the next few hours. If you are hearing this in the regular feed, you have already heard those reviews. So welcome to Time Travel. You are welcome. Over the weekend, I will have... A special episode in the feed with uh, Marsha Milgram Dodge, who is the Tony-nominated director of the Ragtime Revival. You might remember she is currently helming an all-new production of Jersey Boys down here in Florida. So I talked to her about that and kind of the state of 
uh, how she kind of gets into doing these shows. She works primarily regionally at this point, um, which means that for the most part, she's doing shows that have had longer lives and how that kind of impacts her approach to how she does shows. Most notably, she is getting ready to restage her production of Beauty and the Beast up at the Olney Theater Center in uh, Baltimore. That was the one that last year had all of the buzz and acclaim because it was a very different um, approach to the show. It had um, a, you know, a lot of diversity in the cast that we don't see from a Disney musical. So we kind of talked about that really great conversation. So listen to that on Saturday. Then I will be helming this week on Broadway on Sunday. So tune in for that. And as always, by now, you know how this works. If you would like to hear all of our episodes before <laughs> anybody else, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I thought you meant this as in you yawning through a sentence. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that, I know very well how that works at this point. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Weird. You bore me. Uh, all right, so <laughs> this is a story that seems tailor-made for me, but on Wednesday, the New York Times reported that commercial real estate developer SL Green Realty Corporation and gambling conglomerate Caesars Entertainment had joined together in a bidding war to obtain a casino license to bring a new casino and gambling center to the heart of Times Square. The... Yeah, um, the building is actually the SL Green building. So the real estate developer already owns the building. They are just trying to get a license to put a casino there. It is at 1515 Broadway, right above the Minskoff Theater. Of course, that is where Disney's The Lion King has played for many, many years. I don't, mm-hmm. it didn't open there originally. It moved there. So uh, it might be going on 20 plus years, but it, not the entire run. But what's interesting about this is, is, that it has already started to divide members of the theater community against each other. (laughs) The Broadway League is against it. And they said, quote, the addition of a casino will overwhelm the already densely congested area and would jeopardize the entire neighborhood whose existence is dependent on the success of Broadway. Broadway is the key driver of tourism and risking its stability would be detrimental to the city. However, Actors Equity Association is in favor of it, saying in a statement, quote, the proposal from the developer for a Times Square casino would be a game changer that boosts security and safety in the Times Square neighborhood with increased security staff, more sanitation equipment and new cameras. We applaud the developer's commitment to make the neighborhood safer for arts workers and audience members alike. So this is a long process and not something that will probably happen, you know, in the very near future. Yeah, it's not going to pop up before year's end or anything. No, 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 no. But a state senator, Brad Hoyleman, said that, well, if the Broadway League doesn't think this is a good idea, I don't know how it can move forward. And Yeah, famous for good ideas. So here's Well, here's the thing. The Broadway League is the commercial organization that represents theater owners and producers. Their job is to make sure that theater owners and producers have no competition and can make as much money as humanly possible. That is the same reason why there are no casinos where I live in Orlando. There are casinos Mm -hmm. all over the state of Florida, but none in Orlando. Guess who runs Central Florida? That would be Disney. Disney doesn't want to have any competition. That is why the Broadway League is against having a casino in Times Square, because it would present competition, potentially, 
to all of the theaters and stuff. I actually don't think Which that's true. Well, no, I don't think so either. But that's essentially what they said in their statement too: is that yeah. Broadway drives the economy, and anything bigger theoretically that comes in would be endangering that. But here's the thing: like casinos, the world over, are destinations. They would be a reason for yeah. more people to come to New York City and to stay, or or not maybe not even stay in Midtown, but come in and to see Broadway shows, especially when you package it where they don't have to do a whole week-long trip where they see 12 shows like me. They see like three shows and spend the rest of the time doing things at the casino. In addition to the casino, there would be a hotel, there'd be a, a wellness center, there would be shopping, all of these kinds of things. I just, you know, I'm I'm biased because I do like going to casinos. I went to a casino yeah. last weekend. Um, but I think the argument that it's going to hurt Broadway is f- flimsy at best. I think if you want to say that trying to increase foot traffic in Times Square could cause problems, that's probably a better argument. But Absolutely. that is something that is that is something that's solvable with good civil engineers who yep. can figure out how to make these things work. I, for one. Am both in favor and not in favor of this. In favor because likewise. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> Very much likewise. Very much against it because holy crap, the amount of money I will lose at a casino in Times yep. Square when I'm coming. <laughs> and I might just yep. have to move in. I mean, if it's a Caesars oh, no. too. Yeah, but if no, like I'm not talking about moving into the New York City, like moving into the hotel. Caesars Caesars also has a great uh loyalty program though. So if it's if I can focus all of my gaming outside of the hard rocks here in Florida in one destination, like I yeah, might be worth it. But anyway, I think this is a great <laughs> yeah. idea. I don't know if it'll actually happen. I think it'll take a while, but when you have a a place a, a company like Caesars behind it and you have a real estate company that actually already owns the building, uh, yep. I think that that's a, a step in the direction of it p- potentially happening. Although, as we said, it has to go through all of these things. There's like a six member community advisory board that has to approve it um, by a two thirds vote. There's all these different things that all these hoops that they have to jump through. But of course, it it's I mean, I, I know that it's not going to be easy and there are going to be people that don't like it. But yeah. like, oh, it's, so many people are not going to like it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I am very mixed on this. As a, as a um, tourist, as a tourist, I'm just saying that sure. as a tourist, I like it. I don't have to yeah. live there. Yeah, that's the thing. As someone who I haven't been to a casino in a few years now, thankfully, because I need to have more money than what I would be spending in a casino. <laughs> um, but I try not to shit where I eat. So if I go to a casino, it's not. <laughs> it would hopefully not be in the same city I live in. So there is that portion. It's also we're talking about in the most populated as far as foot traffic goes area in New York, 100%. which is already a nightmare to begin with. Um, so there is certainly that. I agree. I don't think this would affect Broadway as much as the Broadway League seems to think and be addressing it as. But I think that's because there isn't a lot of overlap there. I think people who are coming to New York to see Broadway are not usually, that's, you know, not exclusive, but not usually the same groups of people who are going to well, spend money at a casino. The only thing I'll push back on is that there's a reason that every Vegas casino has some sort of show and they're not sure. all theatrical shows. Sure. They are magicians and comics and 
exotic dancers which also, or whatever. I think, exactly. Which also I think you could incorporate into a 100%. casino here. And that's just offering more show options, whether it's yes. a Broadway show or specifically a casino show of some kind is yeah, a different story. Put an story. off-Broadway house in there and I'd like make that, make that like where make a marquee and maybe it will actually take <sighs> off and shows will be successful there. But that could be a place where like shows like the current revival off-Broadway run of like Kinky Boots could both shows yep. that have kind of worn out their welcome on Broadway, but could appeal to a tourist set in a smaller house in a theater like that. Like, I think it would work. So yeah. uh, you're, you're 100% right about not wanting to necessarily play you know, go to a casino where you live. Yeah. I had this conversation with somebody this weekend. Like, I'm kind of glad that there's no casinos in Orlando because totally. that could be bad for me. Yeah. Yeah. But as a tourist, I've been Atlantic I City and I would, I would like that to be the closest to me. Yeah. The closest being I need to get on a bus, which I don't like to do anyway. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the same pushback, certainly, as far as that. I do, like I said, I do think there's the, the population issues and the foot traffic issues yeah, and a that lot of that's sense. a, that's a city problem too, more than anything. But I mean, if that's the catalyst that the city needs, having a casino there to get some of Times Square, <laughs> a little bit shut more accessible, clean yeah, up, all of that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, please. Then I would love that. Um, whether I'm entirely in favor of that thing being casino is to be determined. Yeah, both for right, me and my so, bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you and I are kind of mixed on this. Something that I feel like we are yeah. not going to be mixed on is yesterday. From a Gmail account that went oh, to our spam initially, <laughs> we got a multiple times, both correct, times, both correct. And also, um, as we're recording, like I got a new one about five minutes ago. Oh, did we really? Okay, yep. great, lovely. Um, but we got a press release announcing that producer Garth Drabinsky is suing Actors Equity for fifty million dollars for defamation. Of course, this all stems around the absolutely poop show that surrounded Paradise Square and how Garth Gerbrinsky was eventually mm -hmm. placed on Equity's Do Not Work list. In the uh, Do Not Work list announcement from Equity, they said that this was because uh, Gerbrinsky failed to uh, satisfy all of the payments and benefits and showed a continued pattern of abuse and neglect that created an unsafe and toxic work environment. In the 57-page complaint that has been filed in the Southern District of New York, Drabinsky and his lawyers say, quote, Drabinsky has always produced with transparency and respect for all artists and those associated with his productions and his audiences. That is, a, my God, a statement mm -hmm. that I cannot believe someone put into something <laughs> that was not satire. Mm -hmm. Um, the complaint goes on to say that Actors Equity is being sued for, quote, an intentional campaign of harassment and abuse, publishing numerous untruthful statements about Drabinsky that represented major misrepresentations of his character, history, activities, and beliefs. The, <sighs> the lawsuit is essentially about the defamation, but a lot of it goes in to talk about harassment and abuse that equity has participated in against mm -hmm. Drabinsky. And he calls out claims that he says that equity failed to intervene in a case of sexual harassment and that equity withheld the bond for the original Chicago production of Paradise Square that actually put the production 
in a dire financial state when it came to Broadway. Um, our friend, he's been a guest on the show. He's a friend of mine. I think he's even a friend of yours as well. David Levy, who is Equity's communications director, said in a statement, quote, the lawsuit filed against Equity is entirely without merit and Equity is confident it will prevail in this lawsuit. Equity will vigorously cont- uh, contest the suit and demonstrate that our actions were fully consistent with our legal responsibilities to protect our members. I just... I, the I boldest mean, man on earth. My God. I, uh, <laughs> this was fascinating to receive on Thursday morning several times, as you said, including a correction that had yeah. roped Patty Lapone into it for My her God. talking about how much she doesn't like actors' equity at the moment. Like, like you are fond of saying, multiple yeah. things can be true at the same time. Multiple things can be true at the same time. But wow. Wow, 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 fellas. My God. And one of those fellas being the person um, who sent the <laughs> who sent yeah. these emails. Layers who, upon layers. Yeah, layers upon layers, whose own uh, self-named PR firm years ago was shut down among uh allegations of sexual harassment and assault claims allegedly so fascinating birds of a feather okay let's move away from that all right let's start about our let's let's move into the topic that we much prefer to talk about and that is our friends over at today ticks i'm coming to new york some of you live in new york some of you have plans to come and visit to visit the city during the holidays, there is no better place to start planning your theater trips than Today Ticks. They are the greatest destination to not just theater tickets, but also uh, comedy, cabaret, um, music, orchestra, art, so many different experiential things as well. Today Ticks just makes getting tickets affordable and easy with the best prices on Broadway tickets possible. It's a one-stop shop for all of your theater and entertainment needs. You can download the app or visit todayticks.com and see all of their incredible variety of offerings. And it's easier than ever. With the Today Ticks app, you can check out in like 30 seconds and in many cases have your tickets right there on your phone. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you are, either in the country or the world, too. They're located in so many different cities, and that includes, obviously, New York and London, but Chicago, L.A., D.C., San Francisco, Sydney, Australia, and more. You can book your tickets months in advance or even day of, as we keep talking about, and they have so many different options for you to get cheap tickets. That includes exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold-out shows and of discounted tickets. They've got, oof, I've been eyeing the deals lately, especially for things like Kimberly Akimbo, which is maybe the thing that I am anticipating most at this point of the season. Tickets from $49 and you can save 33%. Of course, Into the Woods, which Matt and I are collectively going to see 754 yes. times. You can get tickets from $69 and save 24%. Nice. And of course, the, I know, very nice deal. And Take Me Out, which is coming back now that we're continuing Continuing this baseball season that may or may not end very soon. <laughs> Tickets from fifty nine dollars. As a as a Reds fan, the season was over in April. Anyway, don't miss out <laughs> on live entertainment. See that show you've always wanted to see, or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytix.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway to get ten dollars off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional ten dollars off your first ticket purchase one more time today slash broadway and use promo code broadway 
All right, I'm going to run through a number of show and casting news announcements here really quickly. Not going to dive into them because we're already running late on the show. But yesterday, Theater for a New Audience down in Brooklyn announced the casting for their upcoming show, Des Moines, which is by the late playwright Dennis Johnson. It will Mm -hmm. run November 29th through January 1st. It is directed by Aaron Arbus and has an unbelievable cast, including two-time Tony nominee Joanna Day, Arliss Howard, Hari Neff, the absolutely incredible Michael Shannon, absolutely. and Heather Alicia Sims, like one of the most charismatic and intense actors totally. working oh today on God, either yes. sca- stage or screen. Yes. Um, moving from Brooklyn up to downtown theater, yesterday the Classic Stage Company made an announcement that we all knew was going to come. They mm-hmm. have extended the Off-Broadway revival of the musical A Man of No Importance. It was originally supposed to close on December 4th at the performance that I have tickets to, by the way. Um, and it will now, it will now run for at least two more weeks through December 18th. I bought those tickets knowing it was going to extend. That is not a surprise by any yeah. means. <laughs> um, but the cast, of course, includes Jim Parsons, Mar Winningham, Tom Sesma, Mary Beth Peel, AJ Shively, and more. Speaking of shows changing their dates, this is not as good of a reason to change your dates. But yesterday, the Public Theater announced that after having previously announced a postponement of their upcoming opening to A Raisin in the Sun, which was actually supposed to happen on Thursday night, they have uh, announced the new opening date will be this coming Tuesday, the 25th. Have we talked about this already? I feel like we've talked about this already. Oh, yeah. We didn't have a new date Okay, for is that yet. what it was? Okay. Yeah. I, I knew we discussed it, but I couldn't remember what we had talked about. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's going to open now on October 25th because of some COVID-related performance cancellations last week. Similarly, yesterday, Lincoln Center Theater announced that the upcoming production of Sarah Rule's Becky Nurse of Salem, which of course is a somewhat spinoff of The Crucible. I think it actually takes place in modern day, so we'll see how that mm-hmm. works. Um, they have had a lot of rehearsals canceled because of a COVID uh, outbreak in the in, in the company. It will now begin performances on November 8th with an opening on December 4th. It'll star Tina Benko, Candy Buckley, Alicia Crowder, the great Deidre O'Connell, Thomas, yes. Ryan, uh, Thomas J. Ryan, Julian Sanchez, and Bernard White. It is directed by Rebecca Tashman. Very much looking forward to this one. And then finally, yesterday, the Atlantic Theater Company announced the casting for their upcoming production, the world premiere production of, of uh, The Far Country by Lloyd Sue. The show is going to run November 17th through January 1st off-Broadway at the Linda Gross Theater. It will feature Ben Chase, Jen S. Kim, Whit K. Lee, Christopher Liam Moore, Shannon Cho, uh, Amy Kim Washke, and Eric Yang. All right, real quick, recommendations to send you into the week. First up, I have not watched this episode yet because I had other things I had to do. So I have not watched these videos. Well, you'll see why. I have not watched these videos (laughs) because I don't want anything spoiled. But on Wednesday night, the day before we are recording... It was Andrew Lloyd Webber night on The Masked Singer, and the right, oh, great. the right honorable Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber was on hand. We got performances from all of the, this is a new group of contestants this week. So I don't know anything about any of these contestants, which is why I haven't watched these videos yet. They all did songs from Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, including Bad Cinderella, Jesus Christ Superstar, oh, Joseph Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We also got. Ken Jung, one of the judges on the show, auditioning to play the Phantom. And what actually I'm 
a little tickled about is that we finally got Nicole Scherzinger to sing Memory. She is one of the judges on the show. We know that yeah. she was supposed to come and, and play Grizabella and Cats on Broadway. Yeah. She didn't do it so she could be on like Britain's Got Talent. There's a little bit of a tiff between the two who have worked closely a lot. Apparently, they've patched everything up and uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any oh, icy stairs God between the two of them. That. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I get the... It's on Hulu. The, you can go back and Okay, watch. good. It's on Hulu. I was going to say get the stream for it or whatever, but yeah, yeah. thank God I can go back and watch. Yeah, absolutely. Sherlock you know, I can trust you to let me know where to watch things. Yeah, that's, that's literally my job. Rules, Matt Tamman, any, yeah. yeah, you... Uh, <laughs> Ashley, earlier this week, Googled something to figure out how she could watch the baseball games and found, <laughs> and found an article that I wrote about how she could find yeah, the baseball games. Yeah. So. I could have just texted you. What a waste. What a waste yeah, of anyway. Googling. Yeah. Yeah, last thing here real quick, I want to point out a show that just went on sale at Joe's Pub. It is a new musical that is inspired by the lives, loves, and writings of 20th century French philosophers um, whose names uh, I'm not going to screw up and pronounce. But it features Damon Duano, Amber Gray. Grace McLean oh, and Margot yes. Seibert. It Say is less. I know. It is on December 5th. Tickets are on sale. They are very cheap. I already bought tickets because uh, it's a Monday night show. So, you know, I love a Monday night show and oh, I will be in so, town. Uh, that so, makes two of us that will be at that show then, I guess, now. Yeah. So uh, let's let's talk off air. Um, <laughs> so, and you might be hearing more about it because uh, a friend of the show who host the show twice a week uh, might be doing some social media for it oh, so wow. that's, how, that's how i was tipped Who off could about that be? It. i don't know anyway <laughs> that is all that we have have a wonderful weekend everybody thank you for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broader radio you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley don't forget to stay up to date on all the stuff happening in the feeds over the weekend and if you are listening to this on patreon stick around for the Top Dog Underdog review recap episode. Stick around, kid. Have a wonderful Friday. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday.